I've met people who feel very insecure when they don't have a group of friends or if they only have a couple. I'm not going to name and drop, but one guy who trekked, like I could just kind of smell the insecurity on him. And when we were talking to each other, uh, it was clear that he really, really wanted a friendship because he, he was quite lonely. And when you're that needy or that insecure, I think it's a huge red flag. And I would try to come to a friendship from a mindset of this will be fun, but I don't need this. And for me with mm-hmm. my friends, I, I never really, I never really needed it. It was more like, this will be fun. And I think that that really helped. And like, no, there wasn't a single relationship where when I wanted a friendship, we didn't become friends. Mm. That didn't happen a single time. My name is Sky, NFT survivor turned content creator. And I'm Aiden, addicted video gamer turned content creator. And you're listening to Kaizen, the weekly podcast where we talk about ideas, relationships, and the human condition. In this podcast, you will learn six tips to be more charismatic that we wish we had known when we first entered college. You'll learn things like how to find friends that resonate with you, how to answer the two most common questions at college more interestingly, and how to show up with more confidence in your interactions. This is all the things that we wish we had known when we first entered college. So sit back, relax, and get ready to become more charismatic if we were 18 again and we knew all the stuff that we knew about charisma now how would we act differently in our first semester at college to find friends find possible romantic interests i think we both have learned quite a bit about charisma in the last few years you especially to be honest you have been an inspiration for me in that way like watching so much charisma on command taking courses reading books patrick kings patrick kings so i think it would be interesting to go through some of the major things we might change so that anyone listening can not make the same stupid mistakes (laughs) that we did I made so many mistakes and I'm down to go through those today. (laughs) So for you, what is, what are like, maybe we each go one thing at a time that we would have done, hoped we would have done differently. So if we were 18 again, first semester at college. Talking to our younger self. Talking to our younger self. Just gets into college. Yes. What's the best way to maximize social skill gain and increase charisma as fast as possible? Yes. Is that what we're saying? That, but I also think how can you use charisma and social skill gain to find and cultivate relationships that resonate most with you Mm. over the long term? I mean, honestly, I heard a quote somewhere where it's like, if I could live my life again, I would make the same mistakes, but sooner. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not that you avoid the mistakes. Yeah. It's just that you make them faster. So, like, for example, um, when I first got to Utrecht, I wanted to open out my shell, become more socially active, become less socially anxious. So, one thing I did is that uh, when there were parties at night, and one, one thing I would do is I would show up. There's, like, this place, there's a party there. I would see people playing uh, beer games, and I would, like, prowl around like a shark <laughs> smelling blood. <laughs> and um, I didn't know anybody. So, basically, after kind of awkwardly hiding in the shadows, <laughs> Going from corner to corner, there was one group which seemed 
friendlier than others. And I walked up kind of awkwardly <laughs> and I was like, hey, uh, can I play the next game? And they were very friendly and they just, they let me join in. And actually that ended up me joining them, playing the game and then going to a house party later that night. But I didn't know any of them prior to that. And I think I had delayed a little bit. I think if I had just done that sooner, you get that exposure therapy and you realize that you can just walk up to people and most of the time they're completely friendly. Yeah. So I would just do that sooner rather than, I think I waited like probably a week or two, but like day two, let's go. Yeah. Isn't it funny how when you walk up to some other group to talk to them out of nowhere, you feel super anxious. Like there's no way they're going to accept me. Why, why would they want to talk to some random person? But then if you're in the exact opposite scenario, like, have you ever thought when someone has walked up to you just to say hi, like, what the, what is wrong with this guy? Like, this is the hardest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. This guy, you're perpetuating, you're perpetuating self-anxiety. I mean, I've never thought that once in my entire life. Oh, okay. See. Yeah. Well, tell, tell what, 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 what do you think differentiates the times where it's weird versus the times where it's not weird? Oh, they're just, they were too far out of my social group. Like, um, I guess I can say like pink hair doesn't work out, mm. anime shirts, like they were, they were too far removed from yeah. the people I'd be hanging around. Whereas you're over here living like Alex or Mosey, <laughs> no pink hair. Hopefully. You probably, they probably walked up to you while you're in the middle of a bicep curl <laughs> at the dining hall. I carry around a, yeah. a dumbbell. But like, yeah. what's your, what's your favorite anime that you've recently? Which like, that was me. Yeah. But not yeah. anymore. Okay. So you believe that the mistakes you make, you wish you made earlier. So you would have walked up to people earlier on. Yeah. You trapped. I would have gotten on the dating apps earlier. I would have walked up to more people earlier. I would have probably gone to a couple more parties, but sooner rather than mm. later. I thought I, I waited a couple of weeks and also I spanned it out over longer than necessary. Yeah. Whereas if you concentrated that into a very short amount of time, you learn much faster. Yeah, that's a great point. I think one of the things I wish I had known when I first got to Cornell is that the first year of college, especially, you change so much. So the friends that resonate with you will also change. I wish I had known that earlier because I wouldn't have stayed with the friends that I was with. For as long as I did. You've heard this story before, but the first semester at college, first day, I went to one of the parties that was being hosted by Cornell to try and get you to interact with other students. And I remember I felt like so anxious. I was like, oh God, I haven't, I haven't practiced my friendship skills in so long. <laughs> friendship skills. No, seriously. <laughs> like we grew up in a small town yeah. where we had the same friends for a decade. And lo and behold, one person walked up to me that was a little more socially social than I was. Savvy. Savvy. Yeah. Bit of a uh, and, and butterfly. social butterfly. Exactly. And then a whole next thing I know, God dang entirety of Narnia is like standing by us. What I mean by that, it's just like 14 people. Just massive group. <laughs> That's a big party to That's you. a big party. That's a big party to me, dude. That we're just all talking it's together. It's like a tiny house party. It's like a tiny <laughs> And those were my friends for the first semester at Cornell. Those first 14 people that randomly showed up. 
to that party. Problem is they had no similar values to me or were doing the same things as I was. None of them were in psychology Mm -hmm. and value wise, I knew they were different because we had grown up in a small rural town and we didn't get our first phone until 16. So we didn't have access to social media like whatsoever. We weren't inside of that group. But these friends were like deep. Oh, I mean, we had access for several years, but I think we hadn't quite built up the habit. Yeah. Like we had Instagram, we had Snapchat, but Snap score was like under 100. No. (laughs) Other people have been doing this for years. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. They were a different breed. We didn't eat Instagram for breakfast or stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. So there was one night in particular where we, a month after getting into college, finally got everyone back together again. And I was so excited. I was like, yes, we could jump the whole group. That's literally what it sounded like. And when we finally sat down at one of the tables, everyone went on their phone. I tried to start some conversations with them. What you sentences in. I was like, how was your week? What, what was your, what, what were some of the favorite moments? How's from the weather today? How was the, how's the weather today? breakfast? <laughs> what you for breakfast? Okay. Instagram. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they just kept going on TikTok or whatever. So what I wish I had known from that experience is like, I should have seen that they wouldn't have resonated with me from that moment earlier. Mm-hmm. Because, but I kept with them because I was scared that if I didn't have them as friends, I wouldn't have anyone as friends. Mm. That's a hard emotion to get by, though. Yeah, that's a difficult insecurity. I don't know how you would like. Oh, I'm I'm fine, and then move on to another group. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when you first get to college, you're like kind of desperate. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that helped me get through that period and might help anyone else dealing with that is most important things in life require some short-term pain, right? Mm-hmm. In order to get really, really great friends, you might have to drop a few that you're friends with right then. So being scared to leave that group, staying with them for an extra year, I think would have led to more long-term pain than dropping them earlier than that and trying to find people that really resonated with me. So what did you do after you kind of dropped this friend group? Well, unfortunately, I'm not proud to say of it, but I did the ghosting (laughs) that I did say pretty clearly, like repeatedly. I didn't like ghost by not responding to them ever again. I just basically stopped like accepting invites to stuff. Mm. I think if I was back in that situation and I had known I had been more acting like you might have, I would have been more direct. I would have mm. said something like, I'm not sure we fit as friends, but I wish you a wonderful time at Cornell. Yeah. So that the was clear why I was not hanging out with them. Yeah. I wish I had done that, but I did not have the guts <laughs> to to do something like that as a freshman. Mm. And then Okay, now Aiden is deprived of friendship. What does he do? What's his next step? Well, there was a period of about a week where I just ate Fruit Loops every single day. By yourself? Sadness. I'm kidding. I didn't do that. Powder <laughs> on sugar. Powder on sugar. <laughs> <Drowning in donuts. laughs> no, there, I was definitely lonely for a bit, but I did what I would say I would recommend other people do. Which Wait, is, can I interject? Yeah. 
Why, why did you break up your friendship and then look for other friends? I would have looked for other friends once I made them. All right, now I'm going to move over here. Mm. I, I was looking for friends the entire time in okay. the first two months. It's not like I stopped looking for friends after hanging out with that group. I started going to more club meetings, more uh, social events that weren't parties. I didn't like parties. That's what I would recommend anyone really looking for friends does. But be very clear about what is the filtration system for the place you're going to. If you're someone that hates the gym, why the heck would you look for friends at the gym? If you're someone that loves anime, weeaboo, board games, look for your friends at the board game club. Sounds really obvious, but some people don't do it. <laughs> some people don't do it. They'll literally just like go to, they'll, they'll find their friends in class uh, or at the dining hall. And that's still like great places you can find them. But think about the filtration system there. Dining hall has every single person in the campus. Classes, probably a little bit more specific, but you're much more likely to find someone that resonates with you in particular if you go to one of those club or social events that has that filter. So you're saying look for friends with similar values in the places where they're likely to be. Yes. So if you'd like climbing, go to the climbing wall. Yeah. Like eating healthy. Don't try and make your friend at McDonald's. <laughs> it, doesn't <make> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. No. Okay. And then I think you like sat down a bunch of times at different yeah. dining tables. Yeah. That takes some guts. Honestly, if there was one thing that I am very proud of for doing... Looking back, it was every two weeks at the beginning of the semesters for three semesters, I would, not every two weeks, but at the beginning two weeks of every semester, I would sit down with random people for dinner and lunch and just talk to them. That was terrifying. Just sitting down being like, can I sit with you? Sometimes it was all girls. That made it even worse. But there was only one time where I got rejected. From sitting down. What did I say? It was it was less of like a you can't sit here and more of like they were all having wonderful conversation before I got there. I said, Is it okay if I stay here? Sat down, dead silence <laughs> for 20 seconds. And then you and got up. It was so painful. It was so painful. I literally just I literally just said, Nope. <laughs> and then I just got up <laughs> and left. <laughs> and then the conversation resumed. The conversation was <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah, that was bad. That's fucked up. It was really, it was really screwed up. <laughs> yeah, no swearing on the part. My bad. Yeah. Well, what what do you think is another insight you wish you'd had earlier on? I don't know. I don't really. I'm not predisposed to. I think the mindset of needing friends. So, like for example, I've met people who feel very insecure when they don't have a group of friends. Or if they only have a couple. I'm not going to name and drop, but one guy who tracked, like I could just kind of smell the insecurity on him. And when we were talking to each other, uh, it was clear that he really, really wanted a friendship because he, he was quite lonely. And when you're that needy or that insecure, I think it's a huge red flag. And I would try to come to a friendship from a mindset of this will be fun, but I don't need this. And for me with mm -hmm. my friends, I, I never really... I never really needed it. It was more like, this will be fun. And I think that that really helped. And like, no, there wasn't a single relationship where when I wanted the friendship, we didn't become friends. Mm. That didn't happen a single time. Mm. 
but I was never needy. It was more like I let it, let it happen. What do you think it is about not being needy that makes for better friendship? That's very difficult. Yeah. I don't know. When they're needy, you can kind of smell that they're insecure. You can, yeah, you can smell that they would get too attached. Like, I don't know, it's so hard to describe. Mm-hmm. But a friendship where they don't need you as a friend to be self-sufficient. Yeah. Uh, I guess you can just kind of smell the confidence. You can smell that this can be fun. You can smell that it won't become a problem. Mm. Like, I think when you see that insecurity, it's, it's a sign of future problems. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah. So, when you were coming to your friendships at the start of the track, do you feel like you were coming out of them with need or without need? Without need. Without need. Yeah, I was like, I spotted a guy. He cracked a couple jokes. Um, I was sitting in class, and uh, what was it? Okay, we were we were sitting in class, and we were playing an introductory game. And I forget exactly how it went, but they were like, okay. We're going to hypothetically give you $10 and you get to decide how to split that between you and one other person. This was a social experiment because we were in economics class. They wanted to see a greedy, selfish, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I saw across the room, I saw one guy. He's like, okay, I'm going to keep $10. Or no, no, no. He's like sitting with a girl and he's like, okay, I'm going to give you all $10. But with the $10, you have to buy us lunch. What I was like, oh shit! <laughs> what a what a pickup line. Yeah. So uh, I I thought it was really funny. The girl laughed a little bit, and I was like, I need to talk to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was a that was a meal. That was a meal. Yeah. Oh, that was oh my god, that's legendary. So I saw that he Dude. made a joke, and I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I was like, I want to talk to him. So then in the lunch break, I talked to him, but again, like it wasn't that needy, and we just like we. Spoke about getting lunch, and then it kind of went from there. That I think is a great example of non-needed. It's not like you came to him thinking, "If I don't get this person as a friend, I am inadequate as a no, human being." I thought it'd be funny. Yeah, you just liked his joke. Yeah, yeah. But I, I picked. I picked people who were funny or people who were working out after work. Mm-hmm. I was selective. Yeah. yeah, I think I might know why that non-neediness is so important in words if you come to the relationship out of a need then you cannot be as comfortable if that person starts changing because you needed them the way they were and that's really bad because your friend you said this to me which really stuck out with me a few weeks ago. And that is a friend should be helping you become the person you want to be, not making you into the person they want you to be. Yeah. And I think if you come to the friendship out of neediness, you're much more likely to try and transform them into something you need rather than what they want to be. Like to give that a concrete example... Imagine you meet your friend and you both party frequently for a year straight. And then one of you kind of wants to party less. They want to move on and do other things. They've seen that scene. And then even though you want to move on and and leave, the other person is like, no, you should come. You should come to this event, this event, this event. It'll be so much fun. And they're not really listening to what you have to say. They're more trying to get you 
to help them do their ventures. They're not being selfish mm-hmm. for you. They're being selfish for them. Yeah. So you want someone who's going to care for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great point. I wish I had known that as well during the first semester. Because that's why I stuck with those friends is because you feel like you need the friends in order to be a, a student in a valid human being. If you don't have friends, it's like, well, so <laughs> you, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, this is such a, this is, this is a really, really big one. I wish I had known. You don't have to answer questions outright. You don't have to answer them the way people ask them. People in college, when they ask you a question in a social situation, they want to know the why, not the what. They want to connect over emotions. So a good example of that was I remember my first party at Cornell. I walked down into the and last pretty much. Yeah, I've only done three. First and last. I went walked down into the the Lenrock basement and flashing lights just everywhere, music bursting out of the walls. I could barely figure out what the heck was going on. I was completely overstimulated. So I spot this guy across the room who doesn't have anyone to talk to. Hone in my sights. I'm like, that's my target. That's what I'm going to talk to. Walk up to him. Actually. Don't know what else to say other than the most classic college question. What's your major? Man responds, anthropology. I'm like, okay, what do you do? He's like, nothing. I'm a student. Then he says, what's your major? And I say, psychology. He's like, nice. What do you do? This is a dangerous conversation. (laughs) And I'm like, nothing. I'm a student. That was it. That was a conversation. And you both like, and we both like, we both like retreated (laughs) into our dens. And it gets even worse because later on in the party, I went up to that same guy to say hi again. And he didn't remember me. He was literally like, hello, I'm the, and I was like, oh man, he doesn't even, that's what the party scenes are like. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, we did have a very forgettable conversation, (laughs) but what I'm trying to remember, you can see, I just need to remember it because it was so bad. Uh, What I'm trying to say is, what I should have done in that situation and what I think everyone when they're in college consider doing is when someone asks you a question like that classic, what's your major? The classic, what do you want to do? Don't answer with the what, answer with the why. Why are you studying psychology? Why are you studying anthropology? Why are you doing, why are you doing a job on the side while you're doing college? You can come up with so many more what charisma, uh, what Charlie Hubert from Charisma on Command calls uh, conversational ammo when you say a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. What conversational ammo is, is topics, uh, threads of conversation that people can go down if they're interested. You only have one thread to go down if you say psychology, anthropology to what is your major. But if you say something like, I'm studying psychology because I want to understand the deepest secrets of your mind. <laughs> and then you keep going and say something like, but I used to be uh, pre-med. And then I decided I didn't want to die studying all the time. Just that one extra sentence, I used to be pre-med, but I decided I didn't want to die studying all the time. 
Think about how much ammo they has. What if they're pre-med? What if they don't enjoy studying as well? They can talk about studying habits. Exactly. How you study, how hard you work, yeah. et cetera. So much more. So really, really dig into the why, not the what. You can also give funny responses. Yeah. Like I've got a couple prepared for artificial intelligence, my major. My major. Yeah. Like they ask you, hey, what's your major? I'm like, I'm trying to bring about Skynet. <laughs> Sorry about that. Or I'm helping end the world. Like stuff like that. They're like, what? <laughs> it's like, it's more engaging than AI. <laughs> Even the way you said that, you're like, AI. Like, <laughs> it just makes you want to die. Well, that's how AI kids would talk. That's how AI kids would talk. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So funny response and then mm-hmm. give more than just the basic one word answer. You're saying, yeah. Get some threats, some potential conversational paths. Honestly, come up with some ideas for what you could say to those classic three questions. Like, where are you from? What major are you? What do you do? You're probably most likely to get the where are you from and what major are you in college? But those three questions, you can have an answer to all of those that are interesting. You're going to be so much easier at finding friends. You can also like just give a joke response and then answer seriously. If you only joke though, it could be annoying. But like, for example, when people ask me where I'm from, my go-to response for a couple months was Earth. And they'd always <laughs> chuckle a little bit. I'm, like, I'm, just, I'm just messing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always get a little chuckle and that's a huge boost. It is. Yeah, it's not that funny, but... <laughs> hey, it's, it's better than where are you from? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Great. <laughs> Conversation dead. Killed. So what are actionable steps for 18-year-old Aiden slash guy? Write down those three questions. Where are you from? What do you do? What major are you? Come up with two to three possible answers. Then start literally A slash B testing. What A slash B testing is, is you you straight up use one of those responses see how people react, switch to the other response, see how people react, use the one that gets a better reaction. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing to have preordained things to say, as long as you're also willing to be spontaneous with the conversation. Nobody wants to have a scripted robotic conversation the entire way through. But at the same time, if you have no things to lean back on, if you don't know what to say, then you're going to have one of those conversations where someone finishes one of the conversational threads and then you both just stare at each other wondering who's going to say, I got to go to the bathroom or <laughs> sorry, I got homework to do first. At 11.30 p.m. At 11.30 At a party. At a party. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. very poor excuse. Yeah, it's like, what are they going to say? <laughs> at a party. Uh, no, the, what, what they mostly say is, I'm going to go get another drink. Yeah. 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 Drink away this conversation. <laughs> I'm going to go get blackout drunk so I don't remember anything that we just talked about. <laughs> I need to erase this. <laughs> what do you think is another really good insight you wish you had known? You wish you had made the mistakes sooner? Mm, I think I would have probably done a better job in the gym. Like more consistent, clean bulk. And I mean that seriously. Like the bigger you get, the more respect you get. It's insane. Mm. Like the bigger I've gotten, 
people were like, oh my God, you're huge. Guys give you respect. They talk to you. They give you the time. Women give you respect. Like, I'm not joking. When I say that, the bigger I've gotten, the easier my life has become. <laughs> <laughs> it's become so much easier. Yeah, it's just, that's a huge factor. Okay, tell me, like, what ways has gotten easier? I mean, you can use your own arm as a pillow. Like, <laughs> like what else? Like, I can remember being very tiny and also shorter, probably younger as well. Maybe that's a component. But you can older remember dudes, being younger? I can remember that's that. Yeah. thing. <laughs> Older guys wouldn't give you as much respect. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, the bigger I've gotten, I now talk to people who are a foot taller than me because they're Dutch heights. And they're also like Spartan warriors, uh, bodybuilders, but they just, they give you their full attention. They make full eye contact with you. And I know for a fact, if I was like a scrawny kid, they wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I've, I've been both. You saw how wiry I was. Yeah. I've been both. And the bigger you get, I feel like the easier life gets. As a dude, <laughs> I don't okay. think it works the other way around. So action items for college students, just start eating as much as you can. Do a clean bulk. <laughs> what, if, what, if there are, what if they're already very overweight? Well, then, I mean, it's a long journey. Yeah. But the time's going to pass anyways. Like five years from now, if that's how long it takes, like why would you not want to be in good shape? Mm -hmm. It will take time, it will take effort, but I think it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. I think the higher meta thing that you might be alluding to is not just like do a clean bulk, but also charisma. Unfortunately, it is true, has a large part to do with your physical appearance. So if you can exercise to look like someone that doesn't look like they just came out of a trash compactor, <laughs> then you'll probably have a lot better conversations as a result. I think that's a, it's a great point. Yeah, I don't think either of us made a massive mistake in that end because we, I think we were both working out quite a bit when we got yep. to, to college. But I would show up and be like, I'm going to work out. And I would kind of like, oh, this machine looks fun. Yeah. This looks nice. Yeah. And I would have a program on my phone. I'm like, it would take a lot of effort to follow this program today. I'm just going to wing it. And I could have gone a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah. You should have been more like deliberate about yeah. it. Yeah. More regimented. It's a great point. Okay. So what are, what are some action steps you think for, for people on that end? Find a favorite fitness YouTuber and then possibly invest in their program. And by that, I mean like a program could cost 40 to $50, but that's going to set you up for an entire year. And if you're just trying to wing the workouts, you're like, I don't want to spend money on program. Like that's too much, too expensive. Like that could save you years of training time years so i think it's a worthy investment you can also find everything for free on youtube but the time cost is just quite high you have to do all that personal research if you just buy a program from like for example jeff nippard like it just it saves you months of work mm. and if you just buy like one book years of work <laughs> so yeah. i think it's worth the time investment and then slowly try and iterate just show up to the gym once you constantly just walk into the gym and mm. slowly build the habit i think yeah. it's well worth it if you buy testosterone that's like years worth <laughs> of effort say and cut off and cut off <laughs> i think that's a great point especially buying a program isn't just about getting the program it's about the accountability that you get yeah. from buying it. it's way too easy if you don't have a program 
to go to the gym and just shoot the crap. Be like, yeah, I'm working out. But really, you're just like doing five pound bicep curls, just getting like a tingly sensation in your bicep, but not actually doing anything. I've seen a lot. Have you ever seen those people at the gym that think purely by being in the gym, they will suddenly like, (laughs) it's like as if like the gym is like a, it's like, an atmosphere. That's like one of those things in video games where it's just like it's a zone that you just have like plus 20 percent <laughs> experience in this zone. Like they think if they're in the gym, it's like three times muscle boosting capabilities, but they don't actually do anything in there. I've seen that. They're getting some social interaction. That's true. You're building the habit. Yeah. Also, like I've talked to smaller dudes. Um, I've had some friends who were tiny. And they're kind of scared to go to the gym. They're like, oh, they'll think I'm small. They won't think I'm big. They'll think uh, I don't belong here. And like the bigger guys, when they see the smaller dudes, they're like, oh my God, respect. Yeah. I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's getting the time. Yeah. Like that's not how it works. Yeah. None of the big dudes are like, actually the big dudes are the nicest. (laughs) In my experience. Yeah. Because they're not insecure. No, they don't really care anymore. Yeah. They're just like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) <laughs> precisely so scripts <laughs> your conversations basically have some prepared responses mm-hmm. make the same mistakes but sooner work out a little bit yeah and be don't answer with a why answer with a don't answer with a what answer with a why to the questions come up yeah we realize you will change in college so you should be fine with changing friends alongside that and i i did have another thing that i really wish i'd done earlier as well which is realizing that charisma is a skill yeah not something you're born with some people are more talented than it than others but you can learn to get better at it through applying stuff that you learn so there's a few books and courses that i wish i had taken before I got to college or when I was in my beginning of college that a lot of people could easily say, oh, you have all this schoolwork that you're going to do. Like, you don't have time. Yeah, this is going to save you years worth of frustration and effort actually finding friends that resonate with you, making connections that are good for you. This is this is what you should be doing. This is what you honestly, you should be focusing on rather than <laughs> schoolwork. This is going to give you much more dividends in the long run. What about my Zen Buddhism class? Your Zen Buddhism class? I would. Yeah. Oh no, the Zen Buddhism class is cool. Then what about your chemistry class? Is the real question. Um, so, what are those books? I'm sure, you'll like this first suggestion. Dale Carnegie: How to Win Friends and Influence People. I still think it is overly simplified, but for a first rundown, if you're brand new to charisma, this is the book that changes the game. It, cha- it completely changes everything. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't start with anything. I'll start with this book. If you haven't gotten into Craig. That's your holy Bible. You got to keep that on your side at all times. You should eat, sleep, and breathe. I wouldn't try to people. You should get extra copies, cut them up, and then have them in your cereal for breakfast. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I had it in my bag for over a year. Really? Yeah. Did you just take it I out? I didn't read it. I think it's like how you describe the gym. Just by uh, pulling it, it's like plus 20 charisma points. Yeah. It's like Carnegie was walking by you all the time. Yeah. Like Watching over. Massaging your back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Art of Witty Banner this is a book you shared with me. I think this is a bit lower tier than the other ones I'm going to talk about. But if you want to learn how to banter in conversation, which is 
like conversation where you are being funny with the other person in a reciprocal fashion. This is a great book to read. Yeah. Great. Charisma on Command, the book or the course? We're taking the course right now. We're loving it. I think there's also a book that you can read. I think so. Yep. I would totally read that. A lot of great, great points in that about how to come across well in first impressions, how to come across well in conversation, how to tell stories. Man, I wish I'd read that book earlier. Then there's a psychology book I read called Plays Well with Others, which dives into the social psychology behind friendship, romantic relationships, and it and also solitude. And this book would have been really nice to read because you get a little bit of an understanding for like what's going on beneath the surface inside of these social interactions. Like, for example, what are the chemical influences of being in a romantic relationship with someone? In the book, he reveals like when you're in a romantic relationship for the first six months or so, it's literally as if you're addicted to cocaine, except it's a person instead of cocaine. So if if you'd known that, where you get into a romantic relationship, especially if it's your first one in college, much less likely to... So are you trying to like optimize when I jump from one relationship to the next every year? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if you're aware about that phase, you won't be as susceptible to getting swept up in it and being like, oh, this is going to be, this is the best period of my life and I'm going to do like everything with this person. Hmm. Um, So recognizing that after about a year, it will fade a little bit. Yeah. And that'll help the relationship because you won't think that it's a problem with the relationship. You rather realize it's just biology. And then there's two more. Uh, influence, the psychology of persuasion. You ever read that? Or no? uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Phenomenal book. Goes through six, now there's seven different principles behind how we can influence people. And every single one is... Uh, universally applicable across cultures. This isn't just an America thing. This is everywhere. Mm. So this book is phenomenal for not only learning how to influence others yourself, but how to not be as influenced yourself if you don't want to. And then finally, the Bible, my Bible. This is my version of how to win friends and influence people. I like it even more. Storyworthy by Matthew Dix. Everyone needs to read this book. <laughs> it's all about how to find stories, how to tell stories, how to understand yourself as a human being better, um, and how to make your stories better. This book will change your charisma because storytelling is fundamental to interactions with other people. So I think if if I was starting college over again in semester one, I would have chosen one of these books like every month and I would have read it and applied it. That would have been game changing. Your own personal extracurricular course. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Should we link those in the description? Oh, yeah. 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 We'll link those in the description. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a story that I did want to tell, though, about why you shouldn't go overboard with the principles of how to win friends and influence people. Um. And also any of these other things like the tips that you hear in charisma books are not concrete. Always follow them. They're more principles. I remember I was sitting in a dining hall with my friend Mason. He was brought, he brought his friend along that I had never seen named James. 
And I was very excited to see James because I just read How to Win Friends and Influence People. I was like, I want to apply all the techniques. James is going to God love me. He's going to like, after this dinner, he's going to drop down and just be like, you are my God. My I'm Messiah. And so, so, the so I- The coming of Christ. Exactly. So I start talking to James. I play every single technique. I remember his name. I say like, James, I was wondering. I, like, I keep saying it and just genuinely interested, smiling the whole time. And 10 minutes in, I start another question with James's name at the beginning. And James is like, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> he looks me straight in the eyes and he's like, he folds his arms. Have you read How to Win Friends and Influence People? And I was like, maybe. And he was like, I can god dang tell. And I was like, is it bad? He was like, yeah. He's like, it's robotic. And I think the point I'm trying to make with that is like, the principles are great, but if you're too rigid with them, like I was, because I just read it. People are going to notice if they read. If he read it too. Well, he read it too. Yeah, yeah. But you couldn't tell he read it. Uh, he he was more he was more um uh, uh, he was more like spontaneous with the principles. He wasn't like rigid with them. So James, <laughs> James. <laughs> Twenty seconds later, okay, James. <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. That's a good story. Yeah. So I've said three principles. I feel like we need a third one from you and then we can. Principles? Yeah, just like things you wish you'd learn. Hmm. Wait, actually, no, I think we both have said three. I've said three. Because you went yeah. first. Yeah. yeah. I guess like really not answering questions as literally yeah. as you need to. That's a huge one. Just being That's really. Said earlier, yeah, yeah. So that earlier. But being free, free form with it. Yeah. 100% agree. Do you think that with with six things we've talked about now, there's anything else you really wish you'd known or you think these are the highest leverage like things we've discussed? Exposure therapy. And by that, I mean, I think just about anything you do, if you do it enough, you get better. Like, I can't imagine someone doing 10,000 hours of Sano comedy and not getting better. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to stagnate. And by that, I mean, you could be at any situation in terms of charisma, but if you just expose yourself to more situations, more parties, more friends, more gatherings, more honestly family reunions as well, just more interactions with people, you will get better. So I guess talking to my younger self, just do more social stuff and you will increase the rate at which you improve. Yeah. Yeah. Treat it like any other skill. It's not some God-given talent, but people treat it like it is. Oh, they're so charismatic. They they think it's like born that way. No, but like with any other skill that, you know, this blew my mind. Actually, this is the last thing I want to share. And then we can do a summary. Comedy is a massive part of charisma. Comedy, in essence, you can get 80% of like the funniest people in the world. You can get to that level. You can't get the last 20%, but you can get to 80% there by just learning and applying all of the first principles for what makes something funny. And by first principles, I just mean like the rules of three, heightening, callbacks, like all of those. Um, so I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to go through what every single first principle in comedy is, but understand if you analyze why something is funny, you can find first principles for 
what it is they're using. Like, oh, they called back to a joke they used earlier. Or, oh, they said something that is very normal, like this water bottle. And they said it with weird language. Like, oh, could you pass me that blue metal cylinder, please? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of just saying water bottle. It is more humorous. It is more humorous. And just learning and applying those, like you'll, you won't think that you're going to be funny because it's not, it sounds so easy, but that's what humor is, is it's just using those first principles. And then if you really are good, which is where you get to like the next level, you start to integrate them all together and come up with something that isn't even a first principle anymore. It's like a weird combination of all these different things, but that's besides the point. Yeah. I feel like we've come to a logical conclusion. I think we have. Yes. What do you think? How would you like to summarize for our, our viewers what, it, what main things we've talked about? Go to college. Have an adventure. Have fun. Know that it doesn't matter as much as you think. And that friends change frequently. I remember being in high school and being like, oh my God, this all matters so much. And then like six months into college, I'm like, oh, it didn't matter at all. So, like, you have time to make mistakes, make those mistakes, and then just try and improve and know that we're quite young. We have so much time and that in the long run, you have time to make mistakes. And that, I mean, how many of your parents or your parents' friends have retained friends from childhood? It's not that common. So, don't put too much emphasis on these relationships right now. But, I mean, of course, if they are those special people, you can keep them, keep them around. That does happen. Yeah. But know that it doesn't matter as much as you think and then just try and improve. Yeah. Great wrap up. Phenomenal jobs. Sky, one of the most charismatic people I know <laughs> now teaching all of his principles online. We should name this podcast Charisma Podcast University. Not at all. Sell it for a million dollars. But thank you. Yeah. I hope you have a great rest of your day, viewers, and good luck in college. That's a wrap.